Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had brought, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to re- read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover, and recover the sight for the blind. To release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of, the, of the, everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you do in Capernaum. I'll tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is to accept in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in, Israel in the largest time when the sky was shut for three and a half Years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet. Yet no one, not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman and Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the bar on the hill, which was town, which town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. That you've dealt with him in a powerful way, and now, Lord, that um, you've put him in this position to teach us and to um, to to feed us by your by your word. So we just pray for him this morning. We give you thanks for upholding him and Mel. In the last days, and we uh, just again we give you thanks for the work that you're doing through him in Jesus' name, amen. Over to you, brother. Thanks, Ross. Uh, well, yes, please pick up uh, your Bibles and open to Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 14. And that's where we're up to, picking up our, our series in Luke again, and we'll be uh, going through. Uh, through the next couple of chapters in Luke, and then in term two, uh, moving on to our Bible in 10 series, which uh, should be really good, big overview of the Bible. Uh, Has there ever been a time in your life um, when you've really failed to appreciate someone? Or maybe uh, someone failed to appreciate you? I uh, had a had a thing happen in my life when I really failed to appreciate someone once. It was many years ago, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, and uh, my family was selling uh, their holiday house, which was down on Jarvis Bay at a place called Kalala Beach, which is a beautiful spot, and I'm really annoyed they sold that house, but um, they were selling it. Um, so my mother and I went down to uh, pack up the house and put it into a trailer and take it off uh, back to Sydney, uh, the goods that is. And um, it was a hot day, it was busy, you know what it's like when you're moving and 
frustrating, things are heavy, when am I going to get out of here, you know, will there be traffic? Anyway, I was a bit stressed and, um, and I saw the neighbour just start to walk out towards us down there at Kalala Beach. I thought, oh no, you know, here we go, you know, we've got to get out of here, we've got to get on the road, I'm hot, I'm annoyed, and now we've got to have a 30-minute chat with this neighbour. Well, you know what, he's bringing us out a nice cold drink of lemonade. And um, I felt so bad when I saw that bottle of lemonade. I thought, what a lovely guy uh, coming out to quench our thirst on a hot day. Have you ever had a time in your life where you failed to appreciate someone or someone failed to appreciate you? Today we're looking at uh, Luke chapter 4, second half of Luke 4, and we're going to be thinking about appreciating the Lord Jesus because Luke chapter 4 is, is really focusing on the arrival of the Great One to the world. The Great King that God is sending to this world to save it has come. Do we appreciate him? And how do we show that in our life? How does that, what does that look like in our life? Do we appreciate God's King who he sent Or like me with that bottle of lemonade, are you a bit of a a wretch sometimes, a bit of a grumble bum? Don't appreciate the Lord as much as we should. Our big idea today is that Jesus is the spirit-filled king from God who came to bring in the year of the Lord's favour. Verse 19. It's a mouthful, isn't it? But that's what I think this is. Jesus is the spirit-filled king of God who came to bring in the year of God's favour, the never-ending year, the year that goes on for eternity, the year of forgiveness, of salvation, of grace, of eternity. He came to bring in that year of the Lord's favour. How are we responding to him, to that king? Are we appreciating him? As he brings us the lemonade of salvation, are we appreciating our great king? That's the challenge. How are we responding to the Great One? You know, we can't see the Lord Jesus with our eyes, but that doesn't mean he's not the King. He is the King, the King of God's kingdom right now, right today. Where are you sitting with him, the King? Well, let's get into the passage. The setting is in verse 14 to 16. Jesus returned to Galilee. Okay, so he's been out in the wilderness, tempted by that ancient foe, the devil. And he comes back to Galilee, how? In the power of the Spirit, triumphant over the temptation. And news about him spreads through the whole countryside. Isn't it amazing in the Gospels? The crowds, the the fanfare, the following that he got would have been so amazing to have been there, wouldn't it? So many people surrounding him that he had to push a boat out to the sea and preach from the water because he couldn't fit on the beach. It says, verse 15, he taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. So Jesus came healing, but he also came preaching and teaching. And that's what we see in Luke chapter 4. We see his preaching ministry. What kind of things did he teach about? Did he do the Bible in 10 series? 
Did he do a series on the Gospel of Luke? What was Jesus' preaching ministry? Well, we see an example of it here. Because Jesus is on Bible reading at the synagogue, Jesus was on the preaching roster that day in Luke chapter 4, and he opens the Bible and he gives it all he's got. He returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spreads through the whole countryside. He goes to Nazareth in verse 16, where he'd been brought up, as we heard from Daniel in the kids' talk. Uh, yesterday, Mel sent me off to get some bags of ice for the party for Savannah, and I took about an hour to get them. Um, the, the servo was only about 20 metres away, but I went for a drive around Cronulla, because that's my hometown in Sydney. And I haven't been there for a while. And uh, my old house that I grew up in had changed a little bit. There were buildings that had gone up. There was even a coffee shop called B and Keeney's Coffee Shop. I thought I'd better tell Mitch and Jude. That's pretty cool. So uh, I went back to my hometown. And it was a lovely thing to do. Jesus goes back to his hometown here at Nazareth, a, a small out-of-the-way town, not on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, but a bit, a bit uh, to the east, more towards the Mediterranean Sea. A little town in the hills in Israel. And he goes back there where he'd been practicing carpentry with his dad. And he, he's on the Bible reading roster and he's on the preaching roster that day at the synagogue. So our, um, our points for today are going to be three, prophecy, fulfilment, and results. So first, prophecy. What does Jesus do? Let's read from 16 again. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, the Jewish church, and as was his custom, he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. That would have been a pretty big, thick, heavy scroll, 66 chapters long. Unrolling it, so he's unrolled it out the door of the church, that's how long it was. He found the place where it is written. In Isaiah chapter 61, it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Who's saying these things in Isaiah? It's a figure called the servant of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord is on me, the book of Isaiah says, because he has anointed me. Remember, Jesus has just been anointed by the spirit at his baptism. He has anointed me to preach good news, gospel to the poor. Jesus was sent by the Lord to preach the gospel, the news of God's forgiveness and salvation. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. In the context of Isaiah, Israel was in prison in Babylon and the servant of the Lord was to, to bring them freedom. Recovery of sight for the blind... There would be one who would come, who would bring sight to the blind, to release the oppressed. God's people had been oppressed for generation and generation. This servant of the Lord was going to set them free. And he was there to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. 
In the Old Testament, um, in Leviticus, there's a thing called the year of Jubilee, which we call the year of the Lord's favour. It was in the Old Testament law. And what it was was that every 50th year, they would set the slaves free. And every 50th year, in the year of Jubilee, it was called, they would give back the property to its original owners and they would cancel the debts that were owed. Can you imagine how much the real estate agencies and the banks would hate the year of Jubilee? You've got to give the house back to the original family of the land and you've got to cancel them home loan and just wipe it clean. The year of Jubilee, debts were cancelled, land was given back, slaves were freed, the prisoners were released. Every 50th year in the law of Israel. What an amazing concept it was. In the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, that was the year of the Lord's favour. So this servant of the Lord in Isaiah was sent to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. To proclaim that 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 freedom that God was going to bring wasn't just going to be the freedom from debt or from prison, but the freedom from hell. Because Isaiah saw into the future and he saw the the spiritual meaning of God's word, that God would, would send someone to release people from judgment. That servant of the Lord was going to come and proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, the year of forgiveness, the year for debts to be cancelled, the year of freedom. Do you feel burdened by the worries of the world? Do you feel guilty for a sin that you've done that you've never been able to get out of your mind? The Lord Jesus came to set you free, to give you hope, to comfort you, to open up the world of God's promises to you, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour in your life, that his grace would come over you, that that covenant of grace would be yours, not a covenant of works, but you're in relationship with God by the forgiveness and the grace of God. God's favour, the year of the Lord's favour for you. The servant, the Lord Jesus, the servant Jesus came to preach God's forgiveness and love to you. The year of the Lord's favour. Your debts with God are cancelled. Your payments with God are wiped clean. Your prison with the devil has been broken free. It's the jubilee year when Jesus came. But the people in Nazareth didn't quite get it, did they? They didn't get the prophecy or the fulfilment. Look at verse 20. It says, Jesus rolled up the scroll, probably would have taken him a while, gave it back to the attendant, gave it back to the pastor, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone were fastened on him. Why did that guy choose this text? Why did little Jesus, who we've known for 17 years, choose that Bible text today? And Jesus said, it's fulfilled in me, verse 21. 
Initially, they're thinking, well, that's pretty interesting. Verse 22, that's, that's some pretty gracious words that come from Jesus. But hang on, haven't we known him for 17 years? Isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? Doesn't he live down on 32 Bloomer Avenue, Nazareth? They asked, isn't this just Joseph's son? What's he talking about, the servant from Isaiah and the great hope that God would bring? What's this? This is just that carpenter guy who made me a coffee table. And Jesus can read their minds. Verse 23, he says, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, which is like, Doctor, if you're going to heal other people, if you're going to fix other people, uh, fix your own people here in Nazareth as well. Do here in your hometown what we heard you did in Capernaum. Those mighty works of God that you did up the road in Galilee, Jesus, that blind man seeing, that dead man being raised, that crippled man walking, do it in the synagogue today and we'll believe you. We've seen the prophecy here. We've seen the fulfilment in Jesus. The spiritual fulfilment. Yes, I mean, he he healed the blind. But there's also a spiritual fulfilment in this prophecy from verses 18 to 19 that Jesus brings, not just giving a blind person sight, but giving a spiritually dead person, eyes for God. Jesus came healing the blind, but he also came healing the dead heart. And the Nazarenes didn't get it. So he fulfills this prophecy in his own way as the Messiah. But what is the result here in Nazareth on that day? Well, they want to lynch him. They want to take him up to the hill and chuck him off because they thought that he was speaking blasphemy. Let's continue and understand why from verse 24. He says, I tell you the truth. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. That's what that's all about, isn't it? He's showed up in his hometown And he's like, little Jesus, they're saying, little Jesus doesn't know what he's on about. No prophet is accepted in his hometown, but I am a prophet, he's saying. I am sent from God. And then he says, with two illustrations from the Old Testament, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land, Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. First analogy. The second one. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. So Jesus tells these two analogies from the Old Testament, and then in verse 28 they want to kill him. So what was so offensive about what Jesus has said there? If we look at it a bit closer, we might figure it out. Elijah and Elisha were great prophets of God, weren't they, in the Old Testament? 
and Jesus is saying there, there were lots of people in Israel, see there in verse 25, lots of widows in Israel, and in verse 27, many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha. Jesus was saying the prophets came to Israel to declare God's word, but Israel turned away. And so the prophets were sent further out. They were sent to Griffith. Griffith turned away, so they were sent to Gilgawi and Hilston. Okay? These prophets were sent out of Israel to the nations to bring salvation to them. And that was a very offensive thing for the Israelites at Nazareth to hear. Jesus was not just saying, Nazareth ain't going to get any. But he's also saying Israel is in danger of being outside of God's promises as well. He's come into their own house. He's come into their own place. And he said, you guys are making yourself void of the promises of God by rejecting me. So the message goes out further to the nations. And because they were so focused on their Judaism, they wanted to kill him for saying it. So they took him up to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff, but he walked right through the crowd. Jesus fulfilled this prophecy from Isaiah. He, he chose it deliberately. It was in his mind. He'd been thinking about it for years. As he learned the book of Isaiah as a young Jew, he would have stumbled across this prophecy and the Heavenly Father would have revealed to him that these amazing words were about him. That he was the one who was being sent to save the world, to save Israel, to save the Gentiles, to defeat the devil. Jesus realised somewhere along the way, as he grew, that all these words were written about him. Oh yes, of course, he is God the Son and he, he knew who he was all along. But just imagine in his human nature, the process he went through as he grew and as he read the Bible and as he realised that this was the mission the Father was sending him on. Look at those amazing words again in verse 18. The Spirit of God would be sent to him for his mission on earth. He came to preach the good news of the gospel of salvation. He came to proclaim freedom to those in spiritual prison. Those people that you think are too far out from God. Those people who are just a lost cause. He came to set them free. He came to give Recovery of sight for the blind, not just the physically blind, but the spiritually blind. Those people in Griffith who don't love Jesus Christ, he came to recover their sight, to release the oppressed, the weighed down in life. He came to set us free with the message of grace and salvation and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. His preaching, which we see here in chapter 4, proclaims God's favour to you, proclaims the gospel of forgiveness and love 
The one who made it all loves you, forgives you, wants you to know him. It's the year of God's favour over you if you believe in Jesus, not the year of God's anger. Oh, that verse is in the book of Isaiah, don't worry. It's the very next verse in Isaiah, but Jesus leaves it out. In Isaiah it says to proclaim the year of God's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. Well, Jesus is saying that'll come one day, but not yet. I've come to bring God's favour through the cross. That cross that I will die on where you can be forgiven, where you can be welcomed in as a child of God. My preaching is going to proclaim the Christ, the cross, the favour, the covenant of grace. Not a covenant of works. Friends, we are saved by God's grace. It's the year of God's favour. Do you know it? Have you received it? Is Jesus Christ your Lord and your Saviour? Some passages emphasise on the fact that he's Lord, some on the fact that he's Saviour. I think this one on the fact that he's the saviour. The one who came to set you free from judgment, from guilt, from hurt, to bring you the new world. Is he your saviour? I just uh, want to encourage us to love the Lord for being our saviour, to live our lives for him, to praise him in song, to live out the good works of the Christian faith, not because we want to earn God's favour, but because he saved us. We want to give our lives to him. We want to be grateful. We want to appreciate him. Because he's not just bringing you a bottle of lemonade. He's bringing you eternal life and forgiveness. Let me conclude with uh, just reading a, a lovely hymn that reminds me of some of these things. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who claim came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. How does it finish? Hallelujah, what a saviour. Bearing shame, my shame, and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a saviour. Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless lamb of God was he. Full atonement can it be? You finish it. <laughs>